Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. I'm so thrilled that you joined us again this week. It means so much to me. And what else means so much to me as a returning guest, a guy that I'm a big fan of, and I love when he makes his way back over to the show. But say hello to Travis, my buddy, and he is from a show that I've been on, and like I said, he's been on here called Wait You Haven't Seen, And but I just found out he's got some new stuff going on too, but we'll get into that. Travis, what's up, man? Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back on. This is awesome. It's been too long. I know, it been has too been. too long. It has been. You know, we were talking pre-recording and I took a break and uh, you know I just am so excited to get these folks back on the show the guest host that I've had before and you're one of my favorites man and I came over there and <laughs> I was like kind of on the fence with stir of echoes right is that what I did over yeah, there yep. yeah I was mm-hmm. kind of and you loved it I was kind of like I don't know by the way did you see Kevin Bacon and the Guardians thing the Christmas thing I just I just watched that this <laughs> afternoon and how great was, was that I loved it it was just a ton of fun Yeah, that's good stuff, man. So you're back here to do another fun top five topic with us. A bit of an interesting one that we'll talk about as we're getting to the end of 2022 here. So it kind of makes sense in terms of where we are right now on the calendar. But it's still a bit of a perplexing topic, I would say, right? Yeah, I I would say so. Yeah, it's it's very broad. It's not as streamlined as some of the topics that we have here. But I wanted you to talk a little bit about your new venture because you were telling me about it pre-recording. And I thought it sounded really cool. So those are the days, right? Talk a little bit about what you're doing there. Yep. Those were the days. It's a, it's a show about classic television. So what it is, is uh, myself and uh, Stephen Adams, Amy Frost, and Audie Norman watch classic television, anything pre-2000. But what we do is each cycle of episodes, roughly a month, um, we pick a topic, whether it's uh, special guest stars or jumping the shark moments or mm-hmm. something like that. And then each of us pick an episode of an old series and we watch that episode and then we do a, a podcast on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we rotate our hosts through and we've watched some great stuff. We've watched some really bad like spinoff month was a ton of fun. Um, <laughs> but then we watched a, a show called Just the Ten of Us, which yeah, you may not sure. even remember. No, I do. Yeah, it, sure. It, it, it wasn't great. I remember, I remember liking it at the time, though. But that's what's interesting about a lot of that old TV. It's like you, you could love it and it, it just doesn't hold up. Yeah. And that's the thing we're finding is that some of it does hold up remarkably well. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just recently did uh, WKRP's uh, mm-hmm. The Turkey Drop episode. Yeah. Still one of the funniest things I've ever seen. For sure. And then other things just don't. Over time, you, you realize, oh, this maybe you know the jokes don't land the way that they did. The writing feels like just the 10 of us is the example we like to give because it, it was a show where the guy has like four daughters and it feels like there wasn't a single woman on the writing team. So yeah, yeah, all sure. of the jokes don't quite land the way that you remembered them. Um, but it's a lot of fun. We have we have a great time with it, uh, and it's just cool to go back and see some of this classic TV. Well, it sounds cool, man, and I'm excited to check it out myself. Those were the days. I'll let you tell everybody where to find that at the end of the episode when you give all your information as well. So make sure you check that out, guys. And then, of course, Travis has this kind of flagship show, which is called Wait You Haven't Seen. Uh, I've been on that program, as I mentioned. We talked about Stir of Echoes when I went on, and I'm going to be hopefully mm-hmm. coming back on in the near future because 
there's a lot of stuff that isn't in my blind spot that I need to correct, and I need you to kind of guide me there, Travis. I'm counting on you. Absolutely, yes. Get, to get me back on track there. <laughs> now, speaking of being on track, I don't know what the track's going to be for tonight's episode, but <laughs> we're at the end of 2022 as this episode's airing, and I said, you know what? I've never done a New Year's theme. So I said, all right, what if I just say – our top five movies to ring in the new year. And that can literally mean anything to you and me and anybody that responded online. But without giving any titles away, Travis, what did that mean to you? Like, what was your criteria for coming up with what made this list? So when when you came to me with ring in the new year, I was like, whoa, what the hell am I going to do for this? <laughs> um, and And I kind of racked my brain. What I ended up doing was was looking at movies that are set around New Year's while also kind of thinking about, well, like, okay, so when I watch this movie, do I get that feeling of like kind of the new year and sort of a new beginning? Mm -hmm. Or is it just a movie set around New Year's that I really like? Right. And also, you know, is this a movie – do I have any history with this around New Year's was another one because I've always done a lot of movies around New Year's Eve. Sure. Oh, okay. Growing up cool. and, and all that kind of stuff. So there's a mixture of those things. It's stuff set around New Year's. Do I like the movie and would I watch it uh, kind of anytime? Because I have a couple of honorable mentions that I sort of threw on the list because I've watched them for New Year's, but they're really – they're like my a couple of my comfort movies that I just – I could put in any day of the year. So, Well, I asked my wife uh, a few hours ago. We were talking about the list I was going to be doing tonight. And she was like, what are you talking about? We just watch the ball drop every year. <laughs> and I go, yeah, you know, you're right. At this age, that's pretty much all I do. If I make it to midnight, of course. Right. Uh, I'm often passing out pre-midnight. But so what I decided to do, Travis, is I said, you know what? Because it kind of got it got away from me a little bit when I was doing my research. And I was coming up with my list because there was no really like boundaries to it. It was kind of all over the place. And it still is. But. If you think about it in terms of what I'm about to tell you, hopefully it'll make sense when it all comes together. But I've got my top five and I've got three honorable mentions. So I have eight movies total. If I was doing a like movie marathon on New Year's Eve, these are the eight movies I would want to watch. Okay. All right. So if I was, you know, starting at, I don't know, five or six PM on New Year's Eve and watching them all the way through into the new year, these are the eight movies I would want to watch. So that's kind of what I decided to do with my list. Now, with that being said, some of them, New Year's Eve or New Year's is prominent in the movie. Mm -hmm. Some of them are just comfort movies for me. Movies that just make me feel good that, you know, the holiday hangover might be there. So it's like, okay, what do we do now? And you just kind of want to be uplifted. So most of them are feel good with the exception of maybe one or two movies but okay. they're just comfort movies for me all around pretty much does that make sense kind of what i'm telling you criteria wise yeah yeah it does actually okay cool so as we get into the list maybe you'll kind of see where i'm going there ordering them it was kind of like nah you could flip a coin i mean they're all sure. for me they're all great there are any any one of these movies i would gladly watch on new year's eve so all right travis well travis is here from wait you haven't seen and we are going to do our favorite movies to ring in the new year, which is probably a topic that people didn't even realize was a thing. <laughs> the list you didn't know you wanted. And one of these movies that's on my list, uh, it's funny, there's this bar 
in my hometown in Charlotte, North Carolina, Travis. Mm-hmm. It's called Snug Harbor. And I can remember going there. This is probably 15 years ago for like a New Year's Eve party. And, you know, they had a special dance party with a band playing, whatever. And they had this movie playing, obviously muted. You couldn't hear it, but it was playing on the TVs behind the bar. And and because of that, it was just like, I don't know why. Like, because it's not really a New Year's movie, but like I associate it with that New Year's party I went to. You know what I mean? And it's just yeah, kind of like yeah. connected now for me. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about it when we get there. But why don't you get a starter, brother? What is your number five movie to ring in the new year and why? Okay. So my number five movie, every list needs an anthology on it i feel like Mm -hmm. i think that uh i love a good anthology movie um it just they're fun to me to to see the different segments and kind of how they can get tied together sure and uh an anthology movie that has some new year's background to it and is also one that i think is a little bit uh underrated it's not perfect but i do find it very enjoyable for me is four rooms yeah that's a good one that's a good one. I haven't seen that one in a long time. I saw it pop up on some lists, but I just haven't seen it in so long. Yeah, and it's one of those where, again, it's, you know, you've got your um, Tarantino directs a segment, Rodriguez directs a segment, um, Alexander Rockwell and Allison Anders direct segments. It's four movies, or it's four stories taking place in a hotel, and you've got the the thing that ties them together is the hotel and the bellhop, Tim Roth. And mm-hmm. I mean, look, Tim Tim Roth and anything I'm going to be happy about. Mm-hmm. For so, sure. But it's it's that cast, Jennifer Beals, Antonio Banderas. Um, you've got uh, Tarantino showing up in one. It's weird. It's got like – it's hard to describe what Four Rooms is. You just kind of have to watch it because it kind of goes in a lot of different directions. Right, right. But it's just one of those that I, I as I was thinking about it, I'm like, no, that that's a fun one to watch. And it's what I like about it is it's the type of thing you could be having a New Year's party, throw four rooms up on. Somebody could come in, watch it for 20 minutes and then head off, you know, into the other room to to grab another drink or something. And they're not they don't feel like they're missing a ton. Right. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. From what I remember, it's a really fun movie. You know, different segments. I definitely liked a lot more than others. But oh, yeah, uh, it's 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 a good film and it's. I could see it. I could see it being on a New Year's Eve playlist for sure. I just wish I had seen it more recently. Yeah, it's been a little while for me too. But it it's like any anthology. There's always stronger sp- uh, parts than others. And in this one for me, it's the Tarantino segment at the end that is the one that I most remember. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's got Tarantino in it and Paul Calderon, Bruce Willis um makes a uncredited appearance like all that kind of stuff but yeah it's just one of those that as i was thinking about it, i'm like no this is one I, I like to watch i don't have a history watching it on new year's per se right. but um it would be one that i would put on my list of if i was going to do like you said sort of a, a new year's eve movie marathon yeah for sure man well to start me off at my number five is a cheesy kind of shitty 1980s horror movie that is okay. not a quote-unquote good film by any means <laughs> But it's New Year's Evil from 1980. Oh. Obviously, in the title and in the plot of the movie, this the whole movie takes place on New Year's Eve. There's this mm-hmm. killer who, you know, he basically calls this uh, punk rock like uh, female lead singer. And he says, look, I'm going to kill somebody at the stroke of midnight in every time zone in the world unless you can stop me. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it becomes this kind of cat and mouse thing. And as the clock strikes midnight in different sections of the world, we see these different murders taking place. And there's a couple of really cool kills, especially the elevator kill towards the end of the movie. 
Have you yeah. seen Have you seen this film? I have. Yeah, um, yeah. I uh, I watched it uh, for the first time a few months back. Oh, okay. Uh, or about a about a year ago now, I guess. Okay. Um, we did for uh, for the horror movie podcast that I'm part of, and I had heard of it. Um, I had heard you know listened to people review it, but I hadn't seen it myself until then. Yeah. And it, it is. It's it's kooky. Uh, I will say the Stanley Laurel mask that he wears at the mm-hmm. end of it. Yep. Creepy. It really is. Yeah. And that was in a lot of the promotional materials. It's just eerie, you know. So yeah. it's got that. I mean, it's 1980, so it's right at the beginning of that era of like mm-hmm. 80s cheese, but. I don't know. There's just something about it that is a little unsettling. And to this point in our, in 2022, I mean, there's a ton of horror movies, obviously around Halloween and around Christmas time, but you don't get really any focused on like that new year's Eve, new year's day holiday. And there's a a handful out there, but this is probably the most prominent one. Yeah, and I would say so. The horror fans salivate to like watch something on every, <laughs> you know what I mean? Every prominent day oh, yeah. of the year, they want something horror related. So this is the New Year's Eve horror, I feel like. New Year's Evil from 1980 is my number five. Yeah, and it almost made my list uh, because I thought about it. I'm like, New Year's Evil, but then I realized, you know, Gerald's going to put that on his list. You're He's right. the horror guy. Like, <laughs> you're right. You're right. I know, I know well enough. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, it, it is uh, kooky, but man, is it, uh, it's a wild ride. Yeah, uh, man. It's got some good music in it, too. It's got some really good music. It does. It does. And I love the aesthetic. I mean, obviously, we're talking 80s, so there's not a shock to anyone that I love it. But right. Yeah, that whole 80s kind of punk rock aesthetic that it kind of exists throughout the film. And like I said, there's a couple of really cool kills mm-hmm. and the creepy mask. And, you know, it's memorable. I mean, you can say whether it's good or bad, but it's a memorable movie. Uh, and it's a yeah. horror movie that centers around New Year's, which doesn't happen very often. So. Yeah. There you go. Very true. All right. So you had four rooms at number five. What is, I guess you should have put four rooms at four, man. That's a missed opportunity. Yeah. But, you know, but I'm, I'm not going to judge you. It, <laughs> judge you. What's looking your... at it, I probably should have. But, um, and funny enough, looking at my list now, I'm realizing that uh, the, the quote unquote quality rating goes up with each entry. And that was not by design. Oh, okay. Um, but my, my number four is also a movie that takes place uh, on New Year's Eve. Or it ends on New Year's Eve. It is an 80s film and it's divisive. And it is Ghostbusters 2. Mm. So yeah. many, many, many people hate Ghostbusters 2. Nah, they they man, just downplay it so much. You know what? Why I will you, defend Ghostbusters 2. Why do you hate it? I mean, you could say it's not as good as the original. Why would you hate it? And And that's the thing. It's not as good as the original, no. But if, the, if Ghostbusters 1984 didn't exist this movie would get more credit than it than it does now yeah, because it's not bad it's just not the first one mm-hmm. but it's got some great moments in it i mean all four of your main ghostbusters are back and their chemistry is great and uh the slime the 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 pink ooze stuff that they have is silly but it fits it fits the world <laughs> peter mcnichol is a treasure in this movie he's annoying as all hell and that's i think that's a thing that a lot of people don't like is they don't like the character of janosch Right, because right. that's true. That, that kooky accent he puts on, but I found him funny, and so plus it it takes everything Ghostbusters did and it tries to go like one step further. So them walking through Manhattan on the Statue of Liberty, controlling it with an NES advantage, uh, is just to me. It's like I, I don't care. It's silly. It's dumb, and I loved every second of it. Yeah, 
and it takes place on New Year's Eve, nineteen eighty nine. It's a it's a huge plot point in the movie. Sure, yeah. I mean, my thing with with this when this argument kind of comes up, like I'm not going to argue it with anybody. Of course, it's not going to hold a candle to the original, and I agree with right. that. I agree with that sentiment. But when when this comes up, it's just kind of silly to me because it's like like you said, all the main characters come back, all the actors are back in their roles. Like it's the same universe, you know, Mm -hmm. let's just have fun. Like, don't you want to go back there? You know what I mean? Like why use that as an opportunity to, to just like bash this, you know, entry into the, into the uh, series. Now I will say, I feel like as of late, it's gotten a little, it's a little less hated. I feel like in the last like five years. I think you're right. And what I notice is in the last few years, there's more and more uh, people around my age and a little bit younger mm-hmm. that saw this movie and were the right age for it to hit. Mm-hmm. Whereas the people that still really bad mouth it tend to be, they were they were huge fans of Ghostbusters. This movie came out and it was – they didn't like the silliness of it. It's kind of – Kind of makes me think of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990 and then The Secret of the Ooze. Right, sure. Where – they rounded off the sharp edges and made it a little more kid-friendly in the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, they do that a little bit in Ghostbusters too. It's a little bit more kid-friendly, but it's still like the scene in the subway, still creepy as all hell. Like that scared me to death as a kid. Yeah, I agree. Where where all the, the faces start popping up around them and, yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah. That, was, that was intense. Um, but yeah, Ghostbusters 2 is it, like, it's inoffensive. It's a fun uh, exactly. movie. It doesn't... It doesn't try to do too much. It's just like, hey, let's continue on in this world where these guys are busting ghosts in New York City. And we and got uh, Bobby Brown's on our own, too, from the, sound- yeah. from the soundtrack. Oh, man, it's I a freaking classic. That. It's a banger. I wore that soundtrack out. Yeah, I had a, that cassette tape, and it was... <laughs> it's an absolute banger, man. So yeah. Ghost, Ghostbusters 2, there you go. My number four is from 1994, the year I graduated high school. This movie was very impressionable on me. Uh, it, there is a prominent sequence in the film. It only is maybe five or ten minutes of the film where New Year's is pretty prominent, but it, which kind of made me think about this movie initially. Okay. But the reason it ended up making my top five is because I love this kind of revisionist history, and it's Forrest Gump from Robert Zemeckis is is my number four. Obviously the scene I'm talking about is with Lieutenant Dan portrayed by Gary Sinise and, you know, Tom Hanks, who's Mm -hmm. the titular Forrest Gump here, you know, you know, Lieutenant Dan's a hero to him. You know, that's this, that dude's God, you know, like this is my absolute hero. It's the person that I look up to more than anybody in the world, especially now that his mom's gone. And, you know, he, on New Year's, he seeks him out. He wants to be with Lieutenant Dan. And on the flip side, Lieutenant Dan is down on his luck. He's at rock bottom. He doesn't want to have anything to do with anyone. And Forrest is, you know, putting him up on this pedestal. And Lieutenant Dan is essentially just like wallowing in his own kind of loneliness and depression. And then, of course, there's a beautiful wraparound in that friendship and that relationship when. You know, we see Lieutenant Dan later and he's actually walking and, you know, they have a whole reunion. So we learn how these two characters really needed each other in order to move their their stories forward. And that mm-hmm. all started with that kind of relationship that came to fruition on New Year's Eve in the, in the movie. It's shot beautifully. I love the revisionist kind of like it's real, but it's not really real. Do you know what I mean? And yep. this is like telling the story of like American history, but it's putting these kind of like fictional characters characters into the mix you know you can 
mention anything. You can mention him drinking Dr. Peppers with Nixon and or, yep. or whoever it was, whatever president, Lyndon Johnson, I think. And when he's dancing with Elvis, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so, all that. But I, I mean, it, it's a long movie. It's not one that I'm like rushing to rewatch. But I feel like if I was doing a marathon on New Year's Eve, it kind of makes sense to put this one on. It does. And it's it is a movie that um, it's a it's an overall feel good movie, mm-hmm. but it punches you in the guts a few times. Yeah, for sure. And dude. one of those is that New Year's Eve scene. Like it's a it's a rough because to see Dan, to see Lieutenant Dan in that state is rough. Yep. Yep. Uh, but then to see where he comes, wh- where he gets to after that is great. So did Gary and, Sinise win the Oscar for that? Do you know? I know Hank said, obviously, but he, d- I don't believe he did. He was nominated. Maybe he, though, right? have. he was nominated. Uh, I feel like. Yeah. And I mean, it was talk about like launching to stardom. Yeah. Because dude. I mean, that's just his launched per- his career. Yeah. I mean, he's a great actor and you know, don't take this the wrong way, but that's his performance. Do you know what I mean? Like people know mm-hmm. him as Lieutenant Dan. And oh, he yeah. he absolutely nailed it. I feel like he was nominated for that, but you're probably I don't I, you're right. I don't think he won for it. But yeah, dude, uh, uh, nominated did not win. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So Forrest Gump from '94 is my number four, and I hope I explained why because I know we have a couple friends. This this film's a little divisive. I don't know if you know, <laughs> but it is a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I it, it's become divisive in the last few years. But I, you were talking about soundtracks earlier banging soundtrack dude i had this mm, double mm-hmm. cd remember the double cd that would open up and it would have one on each side yep i had that one so many great hits from the 50s and 60s and 70s and yeah that's another thing about this movie too and i'll talk about this with another film coming up on my list too but it just covers so many eras so many decades mm-hmm. so in your mind as you're making a list like this which seems very abstract it's like if you cover you know let's just say 40 years in, in, in mm-hmm. one movie, in one two-hour movie, you're really covering 40 New Year's. You know what I mean? So yeah. you kind of like think about all the different years that were represented in whatever piece of art that you're looking at. And I think Forrest Gump has that going for it where it covers so many different eras and can speak to so many different people's, you know, backgrounds and things mm-hmm. that they may connect to. So, yeah. So there you go. All right, man. So you got a good list going over there, too. You got Four Rooms, Ghostbusters 2. What do you got at your number three, buddy? So my number three spot is a movie that is criminally underseen uh, and is really – part of it is because it's almost impossible to find these oh, days. Okay. Uh, and it is from 1995, and it is a movie called Strange Days. Oh, yeah. No, I know this um, one. And it's set at New Year's Eve 1999. Uh, it is if you're if you're a fan of cyberpunk, mm-hmm. um, this is a movie for you. It, you got to seek out and find this one. It stars Ray Fiennes. It's got Tom Sizemore, Vincent D'Onofrio, Michael Wincott in it. Uh, written, co-written by James Cameron, but it's Catherine Bigelow, and mm-hmm. it was the first movie of hers. Uh, no, second because I'd seen Point Break before I saw Strange Days. Mm-hmm. But this is one of my favorites of her movies. I just. I love the aesthetic of it. Uh, yeah, dude. I'm. I can't believe that it's not available anywhere. I don't know. The yeah, reason I didn't know that it. until you just said that. Yeah, I didn't know. I know this movie pretty well. I haven't seen it in a long time though, and I didn't know that until you just said that that it was kind of hard to find. But so I remember it being on like a a really good VHS transfer, and then early days of DVD, it was available. Hmm. But in North America, uh, there isn't a Blu-ray release, and it is hmm. not available to to stream or buy or rent anywhere interesting you know who was fucking killer and that was angela bassett oh angela bassett was dude, so good in so it. good in that i remember that dude 
Like, it yeah. was the movie that, that got me to know who Rafe Fiennes was. The trailers for it were awesome. It's just, it's got great music in it. It's that cyberpunk, uh, late 90s aesthetic. I remember there was talk in the mid-90s about Bassett getting nominated for that movie. And it didn't happen because it was so kind of off the wall, but... Yeah, and I mean, it's it's long. It's almost two and a half hours long, um, which is kind of crazy for something that's sort of sci-fi. It's like... It's the movie that Johnny Mnemonic wanted to be. Yeah, yeah. I could see that argument for sure, yeah. You know, it's it's unfortunate that Johnny Mnemonic didn't, didn't live up to that, but it's just... I mean, Juliette Lewis, isn't yeah, it too? Yeah, dude. Tom Sizemore, I think you mentioned, yeah. I yeah, mean, Tom Sizemore it, in, in some great hair, by the way. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I remember that too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, written by James Cameron, directed by Catherine Bigelow. There you go. Mm-hmm. End of argument. Yeah. yeah. You should, yep. well, I guess they can't seek it out, but I was, <laughs> was going to say you should seek it out. I think, I think there is a, I want to say there is a European Blu ray release. But okay. even that, I, I was like, it was questionable if that was even a thing. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, honestly. But yeah, it, it there needs to be something that brings this movie. I look if we can get Abyss now on, on yeah. the services, yeah. then Strange Days has got to be coming sometime mm. soon. I don't know if it's a music thing. I'm not sure, but man, is it? It's it's a really good movie that just not enough people have seen. Well, all right, so we'll we'll shift over to my number three. Now, my number three is a movie that really has nothing to do with New Year's, but. I don't know why I just kind of associate it with that really New Year's Eve. And it's just so much fun, dude. Like this, if I was having a marathon on New Year's Eve, like I told you, I feel like this one being kind of in the middle of that marathon of these five movies is perfect because you're on your New Year's Eve old kind of like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is weird, <laughs> dude. Like, There's a couple cool kills, but this is strange. And then you have Forrest Gump, so you're kind of like at your emotional, like kind of your drain, do you know what I mean? Yep. And then you throw this on. So my number three is from 2009. It is The Hangover. Oh. Directed by Todd Phillips, a movie that I champion to this day as one of the greatest comedies of all time. I'll just go ahead and tell you. This movie is these friends having a wild night because of a bachelor party in Las Vegas. And when Travis, me and you go out and we have a wild night, it might be wild. We might get drunk. We might forget some stuff, but it's not going to be what happens in the hangover. Like this is like to the next level (laughs) where like there's a baby there. There's a fucking tiger in the hotel room. (laughs) Like Mike Tyson's involved. Like there's a lot of shit that you're just like, wait, what? And they like, can't look, remember half of it, you know? Yeah. I have had some wild nights, but I have never woke up in a hotel room with wild life. <laughs> so. <laughs> exactly. So this movie to me just kind of screams like if you go too far on New Year's Eve, you know, like <laughs> you just have too much fun where New Year's Day is just like trying to recover all the mistakes that you made, you know? And oh, this yeah. this was the infancy stages for Zach Galifianakis, who mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of, and I was introduced to him in this movie. I later came to some of his stand-up comedy and some other stuff that he's done since then, and I'm a big fan of his. Obviously, we know Bradley Cooper's gone on to be just a beyond stratosphere superstar. Ed, Ed Helms is great from The Office and some other things that we know him from. So I love the connection with these friends and the chemistry between them and just these crazy, just over the top 
just crazy shit, man. And it was just so funny. I don't know if you're a fan of this one, but I can remember seeing it in the theater and just like I had to go back and see it a second time because it was one of those movies where like you were laughing so hard you missed dialogue and you're like, mm-hmm. I, I want to go back and see it because I didn't hear the whole movie because I was laughing yeah. so hard, you know? Yeah. And look, I mean, it. you saying like this is a good one to put after Forrest Gump, you get that emotional draining. Here's a here's a dumb comedy that can just sort of bring you back mm-hmm. and recharge batteries and it's all about the chemistry of the people in it. And it's amazing to think like 2009 is Bradley Cooper and what he became. I know. Because he wasn't Bradley Cooper yet. Um, and, you know, Zach Galifianakis, I mean, he wins. Like, that's just a win every time. <laughs> He's the man, dude. I love so, him. So it's a good choice. It's a good choice. Uh, sequels, yeah, maybe, maybe not. I could take him or leave him. I mean, there's some good it, yeah. parts, but, you know, yeah. But it's hard to it's hard to recapture that lightning in a bottle. It's crazy you do that that and first the, one. Yeah, you know, and then you had Bridesmaids, which was the female version, in my opinion, which was mm-hmm. just as good, if not better. But the Hangover for me was just like I don't know, it just screams like you just got you just went too far on New Year's Eve. You know, I don't know, yeah. I don't. No, this doesn't absolutely. happen on New Year's <laughs> Eve, but in my mind, yep, yeah. What stays? <laughs> what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. You know, yes. <laughs> So what happens hang- on New Year's Eve should stay in New Year's Hell Eve. Hell yes, dude, please. So that's my number three, The Hangover. What do you got at your runner-up, man? We're up to our number twos. Yeah, so my number two um, is also has a setting around New Year's, um, but it is a comedy that uh, I love unabashedly. It's John Landis, 1983, Trading Places. Oh, good one. Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. You've got Ralph Bellamy and Donna Michi in it, Denholm Elliott, uh, and it is just a – it's a silly comedy. The The climax of it happens right around New Year's Eve on a train, and it's just a funny, funny, funny movie. Like I still to this day will tell people, in Philadelphia, it's 50 bucks, <laughs> and you can tell if they've seen Trading Places or not <laughs> yeah, if they get good. that line. Like that's It's good, just yeah. – uh, uh, mid early to mid-80s John Landis comedies, this, Coming to America – they were great. And the, I, I like this better than Coming to America myself. Oh, wow. Okay. I would have to go more Coming to America. But uh, I think that's just because I didn't see Trading Places till much later. Mm, Coming okay. to America, I saw when I was a young kid, like 13 years old. And it was just like seeing all these bad words. And the, you know what I mean? It was just <laughs> yep. more impressionable for me at the time. But Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in Trading Places too. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's just it's it's super fun. It's silly. The whole thing based off a $1 bet between the two Duke brothers. Right. Um, and just, I just dug it. And you so, got you to gotta run on Dan Aircourt over there too on your list. <laughs> I do, which wasn't by design. Like, yeah, He's great though. He's great. Definitely though. wasn't on purpose, but I like me some, uh, hey. some Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, he's great, man. So trading places, your number two. What was the year on that again? Is 80... 83. 83, okay. So good pick there, man. My number two is a... Kind of, it's like a, it's one of those weird movies that's like almost split down the middle where it's like you, you're smiling through 50% of it and the other 50% you're just kind of like on the verge of tears. It's all over, it's a five star movie for me. It's, in my opinion, a perfect film. And also, in my opinion, which might be a hot take, it is the best film from Paul Thomas Anderson and it's from 1997 called Boogie Nights. Ooh. All right. That's my runner up at number two. Not, I 
Wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> the reason this one came up for me in terms of New Year's is because I absolutely adore the way that PTA transitions us from the happy, you know, drug-fueled porn kind of ecstasy that we were living in the first half of the movie mm-hmm. to the dark, bleak, like, downfall of Dirk and some other main characters in the second half of the film. And the way he does that is when we transition from 1979 to 1980 on New Mm. Year's Eve. And Mm. William H. Macy's character, spoiler alert for a film that's over 20 years old, you know, commits suicide because he's fed up with the way his wife's been cheating on him and he just can't deal with it anymore. And they're having this New Year's Eve party at Burt Reynolds estate and, you know, everybody's having this Coke-fueled blast or whatever, and William H. Macy just, you know, goes in, kills his wife's lover, kills her, and then blows his head off. And then it just cuts to black, and it says 1980. And from there, PTA really takes us on this ride of just this downfall from grace and, you know, Mark Wahlberg and his best acting performance to date in over, you know, Mm -hmm. 30 years of an acting career. This is the best performance he's ever turned in. And it's just it's just such a like roller coaster emotional movie, in my opinion, if you're really invested in the characters, which I was. And I find that whole this is going to sound creepy. (laughs) I don't mean for it to. But I find that whole like porn industry, particularly in like the 70s and 80s, when it was such a new thing, really Mm -hmm. like fascinating to like really kind of like think about what it must have been like to be at the ground level of such a you know multi-billion dollar kind of phenomenon you know what i mean and to mm-hmm. be to be doing it in the 1970s like if you think about it travis like of course i don't know i was born in 75 but just like how taboo and how kind of like almost you know unlawful and like just how it must have felt to like be doing something like that and then now you fast forward now and it's like you know, you can't flip the channel on the TV without seeing something sexual. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's just yep. a weird, it's just a very intriguing, like interesting topic for me to explore. And I think PTA did it great from a cinematic perspective in Boogie Nights. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. So it had to make the list. What do you think of this one, man? That's a really interesting choice because one of the things that I was thinking about with New Year's is like how, you know, it's a new beginning, even though it's an arbitrary sort of new beginning. Yeah, sure. It's a chance to close out a calendar, start a new one, and and start fresh and do something new. And PTA has this amazing way of turning that on its head where that's the tipping point of the movie happens on New Year's. But instead of it being shedding the old and going into new mm-hmm. and kind of new horizons and expanding, it's nope, here's here's your, your new, but your new isn't always good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really think that that's interesting. Plus, it's one of the great tracking shots. Oh, without a doubt, of dude. all time. Like without a doubt, he goes out to his car, gets a gun, and it, the, yeah, one the and one take, and it's great, man. I'm a sucker for a long take. Oh, so, dude, so good. And that one carries so much emotional weight uh, to it as well. So that's a great choice. Yeah, and you know that's what jumped out at me for the New Year's the New Year's part, and then I just love this movie so much. So I'm like, all right, well, that's going to make the list. So there you go. There it is. My number two, my runner up is Boogie Nights. What do you think? What's your favorite uh, PTA? Uh, oh boy, that's a tough one. But Boogie Nights is is up there. Yeah. Um, just because it was one of the earlier ones of his that I saw, and yeah. like you said, um, you know, Mark Wahlberg in his best acting performance. Yeah. Um, 
And, but that, I mean, PTA gets amazing casts all the time, but there's just something about that cast and that movie that definitely ranks high for me. There you go. All right. So Boogie, my, uh, Boogie Nights is my number two and we are up to our number ones, Travis. Here we go. So I think I have proven with the exception of just making a playlist for New Year's Eve, there's no <laughs> rules over here. Okay. Like, nope. I'm, with the exception of New Year's Eve, well, I don't know what the hell I'm doing over here. So <laughs> what is your number one though? We'll get to yours first. What do you got at number one, buddy? All right, so uh, so now I'm going to a- embrace the no rules and go in a completely different direction. My number one is one that has nothing to do with New Year's, mm-hmm. nothing to do with uh, any of that, but it is one that I have watched on New Year's multiple times, and that is The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, wow. Holy hell, I didn't <laughs> see this coming. Okay, so well, why do you watch this on New Year's every year? It started in probably, I think it was, would have been like 02. Um, I had some friends over for New Year's Eve and we were chatting and talking and this movie had you know only been out for about a year, not even. Uh, and I had a copy of it. Um, so maybe it was 03, I don't remember. But either way, uh, we decided to watch it. And I had already seen it probably, this was probably like the third or fourth time I had seen the movie at that point. Mm-hmm. And... It just sort of became a thing. I like to, I like to rewatch that trilogy uh, almost yearly anyway, mm-hmm. because for me, it's some of the best production design, filmmaking, and storytelling that I've ever seen. And it had a huge impression on me at the time that it came out. And I was such a fan of the books when the movies came out. And so it started becoming a thing that I just watch. And so I tend to watch it a lot, if not on New Year's Eve, very close to New Year's Eve, New Year's Day every year. Interesting pick. Wow. Yeah, I figured I'd throw you a curveball there. <laughs> no, you definitely did. I mean, I love the Lord. I don't know if you know this, but I just watched those for the first time like two years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, I went through the whole the whole series Well, for my Patreon. I had never seen them before. So I'm a big fan of these movies, too. I've bought them since. and But you know what? I would never in a million years... No matter who the – even if I had Peter Jackson on this podcast, <laughs> I would have never expected someone to name a Lord of the Rings movie for their New Year's Eve. Yeah, and it's a – plus it's one of those where it's a good long movie so you can yeah. start it early in the night and uh, and watch it right up until or kind of whatever. But it's just – plus, again, that whole, that whole idea of like beginnings and new beginnings and this sure. movie is such a – it's my favorite of the trilogy – um, because it's got that lighter tone at the beginning and it's starting an adventure and I just, I just love all of that. The casting, the production of it. I've watched the movie. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times and the behind the scenes features as much or more. Um, but well, yeah, it's one that, uh, I'll probably, let's see, uh, I've got about a month. I'm going to be watching it sometime this month. I was going to say sure. it's coming up for you. Yeah. Well, mine's in a different direction, but it's for a very similar reason. This is a movie that I watch every year around New Year's, and it doesn't really fit with New Year's. It does fit with the holidays, so it has that going for it, but it's not necessarily a New Year's focus, but it's a movie that I absolutely love that you were talking about New Beginnings, and you were talking about kind of like looking ahead to better times. And this is a film directed by John Hughes, who, I mean, come on, in the 80s was doing whatever he wanted to do because everything he touched was a freaking classic. But I'm going to go ahead and name my number one, a movie that I watch every year around the holidays, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles from 1987 Mm. is my number one. Now, what's ironic about this is it takes place over Thanksgiving weekend. 
Yep. But here I am putting it on my New Year's list. This is a movie that I purposely don't watch until after the holiday hubbub. The holidays okay. are kind of all the stress and, you know, all the gifts have been opened and, you know, the kind of stress of the holidays is over. And you could put this on, and this is a feel-good movie about friendship and about, you know, kind of like creating something, a, a new relationship, quote-unquote, new year. Yeah. And between Steve Martin's character and John Candy's character. And, you know, John Candy is a freaking all-timer, one of the best ever, rest in Absolutely. peace. Steve Martin is too. I love him as well. And the chemistry in this movie as these two opposites that attract is just like gold. And there's so many memorable scenes in this movie. So many, so many quotable lines. Oh, and I love. Yeah. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I just, the, this is a great choice. I watch it yearly closer to Thanksgiving because for me, it's like, it's the Thanksgiving. Makes era sense. Movie. Makes sense. Um, but yeah, this is, I mean. Come on. It's what if the odd couple had to go cross country? Like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's perfect. I love it. It really is. And then when you see Steve Martin kind of have that epiphany at the end of the movie and kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. this is what it's all about. And, you know, let's not leave this guy out in the cold, you know, and it's just so touching, you know? Yeah. That's what John Hughes was so good at. Right. Is he because throughout most of the movie, John Candy, hilarious, but he's just making Steve Martin's character's life a living hell. <laughs> right. Yeah. But but John Hughes does such a good job of still and, and John Candy as well of making you care about Dell enough that when Steve Martin has that epiphany, he goes back to him. And it's it's a movie that if you tried to make it today would be a completely different movie. They'd have to like redo all of it, right? Because <laughs> yeah, cell phones sure. alone changed the entire movie. Sure. But it's just it's so it's so good. It's so earnest and heartfelt. I think it's a good reminder for us to like, you know, if we were having this playlist and we were watching this on New Year's Eve, it's a good reminder too of like what's important and what yes. what we may have kind of let fallen by the wayside during the holiday season. So that's kind of why I, in my mind, I hold it off till new year's because like, you know, you don't want to forget what's important, you know? And yeah. it is a Thanksgiving movie, really. I mean, cause that's really when it's taking place, mm -hmm. but I feel like this is one of those movies, much like the nightmare before Christmas, where you could like literally watch it from October to, to January and you're fine. Yeah, like it kind absolutely. of fits with, you know I mean? Whenever you're watching it and the message still gets across and it's hilarious and it's touching and it's memorable. And it, it, you know, we were talking about your, your new show and how we were talking about things holding up. This is a movie that holds up, bro. Like you could show this to somebody 15 years old right now and they would freaking mm -hmm. love this movie. Like oh, it's, yeah. it's perfect. You know, it's just such a touching, funny film with some great characters. They'll be confused why they don't just pull their cell phone out and call home. And <laughs> they will. Why, why is everybody standing in line to use these things on a wall? Oh, yeah, they will. Why phones. are they playing Fortnite? Like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, that's a great choice. So, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, probably to a lot of people's surprise, is my New Year's movie. It's my number one film to watch at the New Year's, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, whatever. So, there you have it. Travis, let's take a quick break, brother. When we come back... We will wrap up our top fives and then we will give our honorable mentions because I have a few. All right. I don't know how many you have over there, but I have a few. And then we'll see what the fans had to say over on social media 
in the old suggestion box. So sit tight, guys. We will be right back. Hello, listeners. Did you know that there is a lot more content where this episode came from? As you may know, we are an independent podcast and we rely on donations in order to keep going. Over on our Patreon site, you will find several ways to stretch your dollar. I am currently producing six exclusive series that you can only get there. They include popular ones such as My First Time and 100 G-Tunes. You'll also get regular main top five episodes just like this one, super early, often weeks in advance. For as little as $1, you can help the show continue. Just visit us over at patreon.com slash two peas on a pod, or you can check the show notes for this very episode. Now let's get back to the countdown. Welcome back, guys. As I said, pre-break, Travis is here from Wait You Haven't Seen, good friend of the show, and we just counted down our top five movies to ring in the new year which literally has no parameters, <laughs> although Travis <laughs> did much better than I did. At least most of his took place around New Year's. But why don't you remind them, what did you have at your top, in your top five over there, Travis? I, okay, so at number five, I had four rooms. Uh, and then at number four, I had Ghostbusters 2. Um, number three was Strange Days, a movie that just I wish yeah. more people could see. Uh, number two is Trading Places, one of my favorite comedies. And number one for me was Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. So nice. I had a theme, and then I just threw the theme out the window for <laughs> I was number gonna one. I going to say, yeah, let it go at the end there. A great pick, though, and great list. My number five from 1980 was New Year's Evil. If you guys like old schlocky horror movies, please make sure you seek that one out. Definitely. My number, my number four was Forrest Gump. My number three was The Hangover. Number two was Boogie Nights. And my number one was Planes, Trains, and Automobiles from 1987, the John Hughes classic. All right, man. So I've got three honorables over here. What about you, buddy? You have any that didn't quite crack your top five? I have a couple honorables. Didn't quite crack my top five. And the reason for them was they're really just, I mean, I've watched them on New Year's uh, in the past. And, um, but they're, they're movies that I just will watch any day of the year, whenever. Um, one of those is The Emperor's New Groove. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Good choice. That is that is just funny and like comedic timing in it is perfect. And I just I just adore that movie. And the other one is Running Scared from 1986. Oh, wow. With Gregory Hines? Gregory Hines and Billy yeah. Crystal. That movie, for me, that is my favorite buddy cop movie that's ever been made. Yeah, it's a good and one. It lives in my brain. It is seared into my brain. I saw it way too young to watch that particular movie. Mm -hmm. And it just, it, it seared itself in there. And like, I quote it all the time. People look at me weird because they haven't seen it. <laughs> a few years ago, I got to go on a work trip to Chicago for a week. And mm -hmm. uh, I went through and found like locations from the movie. Uh, wow. And got pictures uh, that they That's used. Cool. Some of the stuff they shot in Chicago. So I just, I adore that movie. Okay. So those are mine. All right, cool. Uh, they're just they just didn't make my list because honestly, th I don't need a reason to rewatch them. Well, I've got a few on my honorables, two of which are just comfort movies for me that have nothing to do with New Year's. But first of all, at number six, what would what would be my number six is a movie called Carol. Did you ever see that one starring Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara? I haven't. No, right, I love this movie from 2015, directed by Todd Haynes. And it's essentially a movie that takes place in 1950s America. And 
Kate Blanchett is this kind of like wealthy housewife who meets Carol, the young woman portrayed by Rooney Mara at um, this like department store where she's just a cashier. And they develop this romantic relationship, which was obviously taboo in the 1950s. Plus, plus Kate Blanchett was married too. So, but anyway, right. they share their first kiss on New Year's Eve, and it was a very memorable scene in the movie. Um, and it just always this movie. Whenever, whenever I think of movies plus New Year's Eve, I always think of Carol. So I had to put it on my list. It would have uh, been my number six. My number seven and eight are just comfort movies that if I was doing this movie marathon, I would start with these two movies to get everybody like amped up and just pumped to be there. My number seven would be Back to the Future. I mean, nice. I, don't need to, I don't need to say anything. I mean, it's one of the all-time classics. And my number eight would be Scream, which is possibly the most fun horror movie of all time. It's just a lot of fun. Yep. It's still a slasher. You're still scared at times, but you're laughing. You're having a good time. And this is a party movie, in my opinion. I mean, the movie freaking takes place at a party for half of it. So Scream would round out my my list to ring in the new year. And that's the original, nice. by the way. So yeah. The West Craven like classic. Yeah, Scream is Scream is one of those that I don't need a reason to rewatch. But <laughs> same, yeah, exactly. It's just uh, like taking Wes Craven defining a genre with Nightmare on Elm Street and then coming back ten years, fifteen years later and being like, Hey, let's redefine the genre. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. This guy is intense. I mean, he was an absolute icon. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Travis, to end the episode every week, we go over to social media and we shout out the fans and see what they had to say. Now, this was a perplexing topic, I would say. <laughs> so I didn't quite know what we were going to get. And it, it was kind of all over the place, which is to be expected. But I said, what are your favorite movies to ring in the new year? And then I said, in parentheses, whatever that means to you. So that could mm -hmm. literally, there literally are no parameters, basically just what would you want to watch on New Year's Eve? Brett Parker says he doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know what the question, <laughs> he didn't understand the question. So now one that I'll say I am shocked did not come up tonight. is the first movie my wife mentioned when I told her we were doing the list. In fact, it was the only one she could really think of. And she said it in the car when we were driving. She said, well, this has got to be in your list. And I said, well, I haven't seen it in like 30 years. But I also thought to myself, Travis is probably going to mention this because it's a classic. But Tony Dobbish, patron and friend of the show, says, when Harry met Sally. We didn't bring that up tonight. Isn't that crazy? It is kind of crazy. And I thought about it, but I'm just, I'm only now kind of getting into romantic comedies. It was never really yeah. my jam for a long time. So yeah. I've seen When Harry Met Sally, but I don't have the greatest memory of it. Okay. And, All right. And, I mean, uh, I, I dug it. And I remember the New Year's scene, uh, mm -hmm. you know, when he's giving a speech or Billy Crystal. But I just haven't seen it in so long. And like, yeah. until my wife said it, I really didn't even remember the New Year's part. So I get it. I feel like that's one of those like obvious ones that you and I just we we failed yeah pretty much <laughs> on that I mean that's 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 pretty uh <laughs> that's pretty accurate we just dropped the ball there that's basically what happened uh Julio from the contrarians patron in front of the show says there's only one right answer and he shared a gif of New Year's Eve now that's the one with my girl Taylor Swift in it mm -hmm. uh, my wife says she hated that one do you, do you know that one the romantic comedy that actually takes place on New Year's Eve and it has kind of all the different like stories going on at the same time yeah that's the one that's kind of like love actually on right. New Year's Eve. exactly and yeah right. I, I know of it um i haven't seen that one 
Okay. Um, so yeah, I saw just, it when it came out, and mm-hmm. I got to be honest, and I'm sorry, Julio, but it, I remember thinking it wasn't very good. <laughs> but, you know, it's a cheesy rom-com. What are you going to do? Yeah, it just wasn't on my radar, so... Amanda, a dear, dear friend of the show that will be on in a couple weeks, actually. She'll be helping me count down my favorite movies of 2022. She says, uh, I like to watch any Christmas movies I didn't get a chance to catch for that holiday season. It feels like my last chance before the next season without being a weirdo who just watches Christmas movies randomly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's true. The holiday season really ends with January 1st. Yeah. So you got to get them in. You got to get them in. You you don't don't want to be watching Hallmark Christmas movies in July, you know? No. I mean, maybe. but Some some people might. I don't know. It's sort of like watching Christmas movies in July is is the movie watching equivalent of like having a drink at 10 (laughs) a.m. Right, which I shouldn't probably critique too much. Uh, Drew Hallam, patron and friend of the show, my boy Drew from Real Feel, said New Year's Evil. There you go. Yeah. He also says Terror Train with Jamie Lee Curtis. And Rent... Rent's a good one. That yeah. is a good one. I that didn't think about one. that. What do you think oh. about that? And Rosaria Dawson's in that too. I, I feel like I really did fail now. That's a good one. Yeah, I forgot completely about that. And you're right. Rosaria Dawson is in that. I, mean, I feel like a fool. <laughs> I am right. Yeah. I love <sighs> her. Uh, Jared Taylor, how about this? You're going to like this. Patron and friend of the show says Strange Days. There you go. Yeah. There you Look go. There. Somebody's seen it. <laughs> yeah. Somebody has. All right. Lindsay Dunn, recent guest on the show, a friend of mine, says Showboat or The Family Stone. The Family Stone's a good one. That's like a holiday one, but that kind of makes sense, too. Yeah, Turn, I can fit in there. Turning over new leaves and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Steve sa- Steve Kondrick says Ghostbusters 2. There you go. Hey. He also said Four Rooms. Wow. he's with, He's with you. And he says End of Days. Wait a second. What? <laughs> Okay. Did, he didn't give an explanation. Is that New Year's? That's Arnold, right? That's Arnold Schwarzenegger. It is, and it, it, it is right at the end of – because the, the whole plot revolves around um, – it's basically Arnold versus Satan. Okay. Uh, yeah. But it's taking place at the turn of the millennium. And okay. the, the whole turn of the millennium is like a big uh, date for the oh, devil to come okay. back to you. earth. So there's constant references to it. I got um, you. Okay. That makes sense, son. Yeah. Dan Roski, top tier patron of the show. I love this guy. He basically funds the show at this point. <laughs> He's my man. He says Godfather Part Two, The Gold Rush, which is a good one. That's uh, Charlie mm-hmm. Chaplin, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Boogie Nights, About a Boy. There you go. Those are some picks from Dan Roski. And, and then I'll end on my personal friend, Lauren Scott. She says The Princess Diaries, because it just feels right. Hey, look, there are no hard and fast rules for it, so I can't say that she's wrong. I I love Lauren. I will never not shout her out if she gives feedback, so there you go. All right, Travis, you're the man, dude. Uh, It was a blast to get together with you for the last hour and talk about this kind of weird topic, but you know, any any chance I get to to be on the mic with you is really cool. Now, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Because I've been on your Wait You Haven't Seen show, but like I said at the top, you've got some other stuff going on so wherever you want to point folks and i'll make sure to put it in the show notes as well but just tell them where they can find you buddy yeah easiest place to find me is i've got a website tvstravis.com um and that has that hosts what you haven't seen and it's also got links to where you can find my other shows um i do a show specifically about highlander the series uh we're wrapping up our fifth season of that out of there's six seasons of the show so we've got at least one more season's worth of material there 
Um, I do. Those were the days I mentioned earlier on Classic TV, and I'm also part of Gore, which is a podcast just about horror movies. Oh God, I love that. And uh, that, that's been. I have watched some. I have seen some things that I never would have watched on my own. Oh um, wow! Okay, both that's good cool. and bad. So, because um, we we try to run the gamut, we watch. You know, classics. We'll watch uh, stuff that's legitimately freaky. We'll watch the cheesy stuff like Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. Um, every year, dude. I just watched it a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and uh, I have a lot of fun. But I, I try to wrap everything up into uh, the TVstravis.com. I'm also on all the socials as TVstravis. TVS Travis. If it's a social network, you'll find me on there. Whether it's Instagram, Mastodon, uh, Hive, Twitter, whatever, <laughs> whichever one you want. Pick a social network, you'll find me. YouTube doesn't matter. TV's um, Travis. There you go. Yep. Well, Travis, uh, always a delight to talk to you, man. And you're one of those, you know, trusted podcasters that I could literally just text and be like, hey, dude, I need you. And you, and you hop on for me. And that means a lot. And it's not easy to do when we're these indie podcasters, but it means a lot that you're always there for me, man. So I appreciate you being here again tonight. Absolutely. Anytime. I appreciate you uh, getting a hold of me, and I love being on. It's so much fun, and uh, we're definitely going to get you back on Wait You Haven't Seen sometime soon because uh, you've got some movie blind spots we need to fix here. I do. I do. You and I have done what? We did Unforgiven and Star Beckos, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, so we. So it's uh, it's your turn. i got to come up with something for you. Are we going back and forth? Uh, we can do that. Yeah, yeah i got to come up with something for you, although you've seen everything. <laughs> no. No, trust me. There's plenty. <laughs> I gotta see, man. Maybe I'll come up with something you haven't seen, and, and I'll get back over there for you. Sounds all right, good. guys. Uh, I appreciate Travis being here, and I thank all you guys for tuning in. So, thanks so much, and I will be back next week. I'll have another top five for you. Until then, everybody, take care.